Part 11 I opened my eyes, hating myself. I had nearly done it again, nearly lost sight again. I tried doing to my dad what I'd done to Jake, beating him until there was nothing left. I sat up and pain shot through my neck. Jake. He was still alive. How though? His face had been beaten to mash, and he'd been shot with five or six slugs. I groaned, rising to my feet. Darkness surrounded me, with a single beam of light piercing through and illuminating drifting dust. The cave. Right, we were in the cave. Focus, Matt. I stumbled to Dad's flashlight and picked it up. The light was fainter now, thinner. The batteries must be nearly dead. How long I had been out? I brought a hand to my neck and massaged it, feeling like I'd spent the night doing my best impersonation of an owl. Eric! I called, my throat dry. God, I needed a drink. Dad? My light beam swept across the cavern, revealing only scattered books and splintered wooden tables. The place had been demolished. Only a handful of desks and tables still remained in one piece, and even they had their drawers pulled out and tossed. That's right, I remembered. I'd done that to find a weapon to fight Jake, and all Eric managed to do was find a scalpel. That was the best we had. Then Dad charged in and saved our asses. Until I fucked it up. I staggered forward, still feeling like I'd been hit by a Sasquatch-shaped truck. What the fuck was wrong with me? Jumping Dad like that? I tried to shake the self-loathing, but this time it was all-consuming. I'd really screwed us over. Jake had probably used our fighting as cover to make his move. And now Eric was paying the price. He'd been injected with Jake's medicine, and then forced to say Per Diem's name. To welcome the Lord Beyond the Veil. Whatever the fuck that meant. Didn't mean anything good. I knew that much. I swept the light to the summoning circle and my stomach dropped. Its runes glowed a dull red, casting a crimson tinge to the black stone they'd been carved in. Eric! I shouted again. Dad? No. God, no. I fell back at a wooden chair, putting my head in my hands. Where were they? Please, Matthew! Not now, Mom. Please! I screamed as loud and hard as I could. My throat felt like sandpaper, but I didn't care. I screamed and screamed until I was out of breath, until the voices in my head shut up and then I cried again. Even if I could find them, how the fuck was I supposed to help them? I picked up the scalpel Eric left on the table and stared at it. Hated it. How was I supposed to save them with this? Jake took shotgun blasts and shrugged them off, and all I had was a damn scalpel, a busted wrist, and something inside of me trying to get out. It's dark. I looked up, not sure if I'd probably heard. Was that? I brought the light around, scrambling from my chair. My sneakers slipped on the slick cavern floor. Nolan, I shouted, falling to my knees beside him. He was sitting upright, breathing heavy, and no longer the bipedal werewolf he earlier resembled. He was human again, or at least as close as he could be to a wolf mass fused to his neck. Are you? He raised a hand, then pointed to the scalpel still in my hands. Dark. Dark? I said, with more frustration than I'd meant. I felt so much angrier here on the mountain, like I was desperate for violence. I swallowed the rage. Breathe, just breathe. Scalpel, right? He nodded slowly, as if the act was painful in itself. What do you want with it, I said, completely at a loss. I wished he would just say some real words for once. Dark. He brought a finger along his neck, tracing the stitching of the mask. You want me to cut it off you? The mask? Another slow, pain nod. That made more sense than anything I'd heard all night. I shifted closer and then paused, 
My heart thrummed to my chest, and I could feel the rage boiling inside me, thrashing to get out. I thrust the scalpel toward him. I... I don't trust myself right now. You do it, and I'll help you if you need me. He shook his head. Fuck. He didn't understand. There was something inside me, and whenever I saw blood, it clawed closer and closer to the surface. It happened with Jake. It nearly happened to my own father. I couldn't risk losing control on Nolan. Not when he was all I had left. I grabbed his hand and put the scalpel to it. Just do. He recoiled with an agonizing scream, his body writhing. The scalpel clattered on the floor. I leaned closer, panicked. What had I done? He cradled his hand, and I saw scorch marks on his palm. The red seared flesh made an outline of the scalpel, and steam hissed on its snaking tendrils. You can't touch the scalpel? I breathed. The puzzle piece forming in my mind. But you could touch the iron gate. A decade of monster lore swam in my head. Is the scalpel silver? It's dark. Hold still, I said, doing my best to steady his head with my broken wrist. I used my good hand to make an incision along the mass stitching. His body jerked and seized as the blade sliced through the threads, and in some places, his flesh. Nearly there, I said. A thin trail of blood wound its way from his neck from down to his chest, and I did my best to ignore it. Thankfully, the rancid smell of his wolf mask made a good mental anchor and helped me stay in the moment, avoid the pull of whatever was inside of me. Please, Matthew! There, I said, cutting the last pieces of the mask free. I pocketed the scalpel. His skin was searing around the incision points, and his whole body trembled in pain. Sorry. That should do it. He raised his hands to his mask and lifted it slowly. The glow from his eyes faded, and the mask itself seemed to droop, the flesh sloughing from the skull and rotting away. I helped him raise it off entirely, and we dropped it to the floor. The man beneath looked a lot like Jake. He had a wide jaw, a mess of hair, and a short beard. His plaid shirt had been torn away during his previous transformation but he still had those same jeans that Jake wore, faded from hours outdoors. It occurred to me that Jake probably gave him his clothes. Thank you, he said quietly. You can talk now? My heart raced. I had so many questions. He nodded, swallowing. I can. He ran a hand along his neck, where the mask had been cut free. Only silver can undo those bonds. I'd tried cutting it before, but they healed too quickly. Thank you, Matthew. Yeah, I said. Of course. I looked down guilt bubbling in my chest. Thank you for everything, but he got Eric, my dad too. Yes. I thought that he might. He's much stronger than I am. Do you know where he's taking them? A small ember of hope had began to burning inside of me. Nolan must know. He's been here all along. Because we need to get over there now. He summoned per diem, Nolan said, rising on his shaky legs. Yes, I'm well aware of everything. The mass prevented me from speaking, not listening. He ran a hand over his ribs, breathing deeply and wincing. I'm afraid without the mask, I won't be much help in a fight, but that's not what you need right now. You need information, and I can help you with that. Hand me your light. I did, and he brought it to a rest in a broken cabin in the back corner. That'll be it. He handed the light back to me and limped toward it. I followed. Per diem is powerful, perhaps too powerful to stop. But we may be able to save Eric. And my dad? Nolan didn't answer. Reaching the cabinet, he rested his body against it for a moment, taking several deep breaths. His face looked a great deal worn than Jake's, with deep lines framing his eyes and a sallowness to his cheekbones. He looked like he was dying. I'll just be a moment, he said, just catching my breath. My brother, he did quite a number on me. He's insane, I said quietly. A question ate at me, and I decided I had to ask. It might be the only opportunity to learn the truth. 
Is this... Is it really Grandma's doing? Nolan smiled. A good question. He pulled a book from the shelf and began flipping through its pages. In early life, my mother was a writer. She loved the paranormal, cryptids, ghouls, and the like. And I, well, I was her biggest fan. He grunted, tossing the book and plucking another. He licked the tip of his thumb and cycled a few pages. I loved reading her stories. They enthralled me. Ah, excellent. This should be the proper text. He let his body slide down the cabinet, his fingers running across the page. I held the light above him. I spent ten years in university studying medicine, and then when I returned, she was a different woman. Strange. Like something had gotten to her. Gotten to her? I sat down next to him. This was a side of my grandmother I never knew. A side of my family I never knew. Mom really spoke about anything that happened before Eric and I were born. She'd been obsessed with per diem at the time. I thought it was a bit artistic madness. You know, method acting, perhaps. Getting into character for another one of her stories. He laughed. Each chuckle accentuating by a wince of pain. When she asked for my help with the science behind creating cryptids, well, I thought she was crazy. But she showed me a library of books she collected. He paused, taking a raspy breath. They described incredible things, things that shouldn't be possible. I stared into the dark of the cave, my voice barely a whisper. You helped her make you, make Jake into what he is. My curiosity overcame my ethics, I confess. I agreed to another winds of pain. Attempt to experiment, but on the grounds would be done to me and me alone. He hung his head. It wasn't perfect, partly because I'd disregarded several aspects of the book that sounded too hokey for me, too ridiculous. I made myself into a werewolf, but an imperfect one. One who could never fully stop being a beast. He looked at me, sunken eyes tired and remorseful. When I saw you boys up there, I wanted to kill you. I felt compelled to. I swallowed. But I didn't, he continued. I'm not sure what changed, but after seeing you two, a piece of me returned. A small sliver of humanity. Perhaps... I decided to try and warn you later the day, that day by the river, of the dark, of my mother's intentions. The book, I said. Mysteries of the Cryptids. Yes. He was flicking another page. I'd stuffed some of her research notes into an old novel she'd written. My hope was that if she saw you with it, she wouldn't grow suspicious. He tapped at the center of the page. Ah, here it is. The Light of Per Diem. Give me a moment, please. I need to read this carefully. I did, using the time to reflect. Ten minutes ago I'd nearly given up, but then Nolan had given me hope. He'd saved me all over again. Whatever was in that book, he seemed to think was a real shot at helping fix this disaster. I believed him. There was hope for Eric. Hope for my dad. We could do this, put things back to normal, and get off this goddamn mountain and turn this whole experience into exactly what it deserved to be. A repressed memory. I just needed to know what to do. It's as I suspected, Nolan said a short time later. The summoning requires an amount of offerings, or cryptids to put it simply, four of them, in a host. That would be your brother, or you. He shot me a weary, weary smile. I don't understand. Is that good or bad? Well, Nolan said, leaning back and resting the map on his lap. Without the mask, I've lost my ability to heal from my wounds. All this to say that I'm dying. I should thank you that I'm dying as a man. I suspect that when I leave, he let out a wail and clutched his side. Are you okay? I said, realizing what a stupid question it was. 
Jake had thrown him half the length of a football stadium. His insides were probably damn near mush. Dying still, he said with a wry grin. But all right otherwise. As I said, when I leave, his offerings will be one short, and Jake's summoning will be unsuccessful. Wait. I stood up, looking at the runes on the ground. I thought they'd already summoned him. Yes, Nolan said. They have. He's on his way. But crossing worlds is not as easy a task, at least according to these old tomes. He patted the book on his lap. I suspect Jake's taken them to meet the Lord beyond when he arrives. Isn't that here? I said, staring at the summoning circle. Isn't he arriving in this circle? The cabinet creaked as Nolan leaned back against it, his head resting on the cupboard door and, the, and he closed his eyes. Think of the circle as a telephone. It's a way of communicating that their terms have been met. Everything I've read about per diem would indicate him to be a prideful being, one who would be loath to enter this world through a dirty cave. He took a difficult breath. When I die, Jake's terms will be broken. Per diem won't grant him an audience. Great, no per diem. That still left one massive problem. Nolan, I said desperately. How do I stop Jake? How do I help our family? Silver, Nolan grimaced. Haven't you been paying attention? He gave me a grim smile. The trouble, of course, is getting the silver into my brother's heart. That's putting it lightly, I muttered. I doubted the scalpel was long enough to even reach his heart. Once my brother realizes, he said slowly, his words spaced by flinches of pain, that the summoning is being prevented by something, he's likely to realize I've passed on. I don't know what happens then. He's unpredictable at the best of times. He coughed more blood and inspected the book in his lap. What do I do, I said. There wasn't much time left. And there was so much I still didn't know. I can't kill Jake with a scalpel. How do I stop this? His head rolled to the side, looking towards something in the dark of the room. Operating table. Beneath it. My father's dagger. Grandpa's dagger? Eric and I hadn't known much about our late grandfather. Only that he'd been an archaeologist in life. I stood, casting the light in the direction Nolan looked. Sure enough, there was an operating table there. Though it felt generous to call it such. It was really more of a slab of wood with some leather straps dangle off it. Is the dagger silver? Nolan nodded. Not much, but it'll have to do. Now go on, get a hot start on me. There was one last thing I had to know first. Something important. When I was younger, Grandma gave me some of that serum. Why hadn't I changed it? If she only gave it to you once, it wouldn't be enough. He took a moment to catch his breath. It takes several doses to induce the transformation. Then I'm not a cryptid? He shook his head. I sighed, relieved. There was one terror I could put to rest, at least for now. Thank you, I said, quietly. The truth was I had so much to say and no time to say it. I wanted to tell him that I was sorry for thinking he was a monster, that I was sorry for attacking him with a fire iron, that he had done more to me, for me than he could ever know. But I didn't have time. You're a good man, I said, rising to my feet. Please know that. I hoped it was enough. It was a terrible feeling leaving my uncle to die here in the cold darkness where his nightmare had been born. There wasn't any time. When this was finished, I'd come back and pull him out, give him a proper burial. But right now, there's still lives I could save, lives I needed to save. I made for the exit. Matthew, Nolan wheezed. I paused, turning my ear toward him. Don't listen to the voices. The forest was quiet at night. No sound of deer, no sound of birds, not so much of a chirp of crickets. I sprinted through the woods, avoiding the main trails and sticking to the brush. Bramble and nettle clawed at my jacket. Branches hung low and caught, my, caught me in the face, and the dirt wet from the storm shifted my every step 
It didn't matter, though. I knew where I needed to be. The cabin was where all this had begun. It was where Jake had ambushed us earlier, and perhaps it was where he intended for all this to end, too. Except this time, I was the one running the, I was the, one running the ambush. Grandpa's dagger swung at my waist, hanging off the belt and smacking my thigh with every stride. While it was a good deal longer than the scalpel, it certainly wasn't ideal for fighting a 12-foot Sasquatch. Still, it was all I had. Truthfully, I doubted a silver broadsword would have made me feel any more confident. I was terrified either way. On the glass half-full side of things, it had stopped raining. The temperature felt a good deal warmer, too, although I suspected that it had something to do with me sprinting in a leather jacket. Above, though, the storm clouds still loomed, heavy and gray, and they'd shifted enough to mask the moon entirely. The forest was shrouded in near-total darkness. Thankfully, Dad had saved my ass again. I brought a hand to my face and adjusted his night vision goggles, seeing a landscape of greens and blacks. Normally I'd be concerned about the lenses drawing attention, but I knew Jake couldn't see. Not after I gouged his eyes out. He did, however, seem to be able to smell us. I reared back my head and spat out a mouthful of mud. I'd rolled around in a puddle of it outside the cave, drenching myself head to toe in muck and grime, and I'd managed to get absolutely everywhere. Disgusting? Yeah. But maybe enough to mask my scent. At least until I got close enough to stab Jake, or something. Stuff to think about when I got there. Eric was a planner, not me. I operated more on instinct, and I hoped those instincts would serve me better than they had in the cave. All of us were relying on it. It didn't take long to reach the cabin. I slunk along the last leg of the journey, careful not to make any sounds. Since I'd figured Jake's ears were still in working order, through the trees, I saw a weak light spilling from one of the windows, though no sign of any movement. I needed to get closer. I glanced about, making sure the area was clear. To my left, there was only Grandma's old spinach patch, and beyond that was the walking thread of the river. Good. To my right, the beat-up car, and the road that led down the mountain. Good. Wait. I focused my goggles down the railway. Was that a fender? No, that was an entire truck? Its front end jutted out of the bushes a short way down the road. No doubt about it. That was Jake's. I wanted to fist-pump the air. But I composed myself. Maybe we didn't need to fight Jake after all. If the three of us could get in the truck, we could almost definitely outrun him. Then we'd just come back in the daylight and deal with the things once his transformation had worn off. Perfect, I whispered. First, though, I needed to get Eric and Dad. The hard part. I dashed across the clearing and pressed myself against the cabin's wall, moving along in the kitchen window. The light that spilled from it flickered, as if cast by candle. I pulled the goggles off my head and peered inside. Nothing. Shit. The place looked exactly as I remembered it. Right down to the chair that I'd busted the window down with. Alright, I thought. No need to panic. Somewhere else then. Maybe Grandma's bedroom. Or the living room. I crouched back down, slipping along the front of the cabin. Its entrance had been torn apart by Jake's previous visit. Its front door missing and its entire vestibule sagging. Even the steps that led up to the front porch were cracked and broken. Probably not built to withstand the weight of a were-sasquatch. I froze. There was a sound coming from the cabin. It sounded like moaning, long, anguished groans. Fuck. I slipped past the front door, following the sounds along the side of the cabin. It was a few feet away from the dark window to the living area. That's where the sounds were coming from. I flicked on the night vision goggles, orienting myself beneath the window. I wanted to do this as carefully as I could. I slowly rose my head, peering inside. The fireplace was empty, just as I remembered, and I could see bits of Griff's cracked skull where I'd dropped it earlier. The wicker chairs were there too, 
along with boxes of grandma's things and and there near the far wall dad sat in a chair a rope zigzagged across his chest lashing him to a seat I scanned the rest of the room no sign of Eric no sign of Jake either I gave the window a gentle push and it slid good unlocked made sense what did grandma have to fear out here she was the one making the monsters I opened the window quietly so quietly the dad hadn't noticed his head lolled in the chair his eyes distant and spacey the guy looked exhausted I took another look around double checking I was in the clear before raising up onto the windowsill once I was on it I slowly lowered myself to the hardwood floor again scanning the room nothing just dad and I so good so far my footsteps creaked on the floorboard and I froze shit my heart raced was Jake here somewhere had he heard that my hand rested on the hilt of the da- silver dagger instinctively please Matthew shake it off please nothing either nobody heard the sound or nobody was here I made my way to my dad lifting the goggles off my eyes dad I whispered untying the ropes holding him to the chair where's Eric no answer just groans he rolled his head back eyes milky white dad I gave him a gentle smack on the face he looked drunk wasted seriously we need to leave now another long groan dad are you okay I let the rope drop from my hands taking a step back I recognized those eyes I'd seen them before I took another step and something snapped beneath my foot I looked down a syringe three of them no Matthew dad rasped the river 